0: Welcome to Houser Community Church Online. Let's join pastor as the Holy Spirit speaks to our hearts and unpacks the Word of God for us. After the message, we'll tell you how to contact us. Thank you, Jim. Yes, kiddos, you are dismissed. And as they go, um, if you're not already there, go ahead and open up. Not yet. I do that after I see this. Give me a break, Michael. Don't get ahead of me. Good morning, Michael. (laughs) And good morning, church. I better say it or Michael will just hound me. (laughs) Go ahead and turn to Acts 20 uh, with me. If you're not there, if you don't have a Bible, there's one around you. Go ahead and grab one. Uh, I want you looking at the text today. Um, recently, uh, Nikki and I, we've, we've begun thinking a lot about what it means to send out a child of ours out into the world since Caden will be graduating uh, next summer. So we've been thinking a lot about what this means for us as parents, what this means for him. Um, as parents, when you're sending a child off, many of you know this, into the world, you just hope, I really hope I just prepared them well. Um, I hope that I've shepherded them in the word and that they understand the word. I I hope that they understand how to discern God's will. Um, And and that's our prayer as we send them off. And that's kind of what's going on in this passage with Paul and the elders from, from Ephesus. Paul is leaving Ephesus. He's, he's poured his heart and soul into Ephesus for the last three years. He, he loves this church. He sends Timothy to them, and he just he's leaving, though. And he even says, you, you, some of you will never see my face again. But the time had come for the Ephesian church, the church at Ephesus, to function apart from his apostolic leadership, or at least his presence Derek Thomas, he says that Paul was giving his charge to take up the very work that he had begun. They were being given a glimpse of life without apostolic support, the normal life of the church from day to day in the years and in the years ahead. Central to the church's survival was the role that these elders would play. So we see the Lord installs elders to care for those whom he has purchased by his own blood. This is his church, and he installs leaders to care for his church. I think a lot of times the role elder is thought of as just a a group of guys, probably older or balding um, or something along those lines. They get together. They probably talk about things and drink coffee, and and they talk about church business. They make some decisions. um, uh, They teach and they preach sometimes. We've seen that. Uh, But when it comes to how they help the church from day to day, I think many would say, I'm not super clear on that, and first, that is a failure if the way if that 's how you feel that is a failure uh, of us as elders, because that means we 're not accomplishing the goals set before us, but second, preaching about what it means is, uh, to be an elder is not common it doesn 't pop up very frequently in the Bible, so we're, a lot of us are just unfamiliar with what that means so what I hope I hope to remedy that today um, by placing the the ministry of the elder under a microscope, under the microscope of scripture, helping you to see what you should expect from your elders. Uh, Thank you guys for actually showing up today. I told them I was going to be preaching um, on this, so don't skip church. And, and I hope it will remind you, um, remind them and call them to uh, renew their understanding, renew their commitment to this body. But I want you to also know what an elder is and why that's important for you. If you open your bulletin, um, all the elders are in there. Their picture's there, their numbers is there. Um, and I, I got all of their approval to do that. But the reason is, I want you to know who your elders are. Um, And you'll see as we go through this sermon why I want you to know who they are. So as we look at the text today, um, go ahead and, and look at verse 17. We're going to see first in our passage that an elder is to set an example for the flock. Verse 17, now... From Miletus he sent, that's Paul, sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. And when they came to him, he said to them, You yourselves know how I lived among you the the whole time. From the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility, with tears, with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews, how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and to the Greeks of repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. So that is talking about how Paul um, was in front of the elders, and I'm just taking what Paul did, and I know Paul would say, follow me as I follow Christ, and that is part of the role of an elder, mimicking what Paul has done. So before I jump into what an elder is, I want to say quickly what an elder is not. They're not primarily an administrator who plans, votes, and sits in meetings. Uh, They do all of those things, but that's not only what they do. They're not primarily, or they're not only a bureaucrat who holds a position in the church, a position of power, or an officer who helps us maintain a 501c3 status. The elders are not um, uh, simply authoritarians looking to crack down on people, not looking at everyone and just wanting to catch you in your sin. That's not what we're doing. An elder is a servant leader, one who leads the body of Christ by serving like Jesus does, lovingly and sacrificially feeding the flock, nourishing, protecting the flock. Peter reminds us in 1 Peter 5.3 that they are not to be domineering over those in their charge, but being examples to the flock. So Paul, in verse 17 and 18, he says, Now from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. And when they came to him, I'll just stop there. And when they came to him, so they actually do. So the first thing we see, he's, the elder is an example of what discipleship actually looks like. Paul's final act in the church of Ephesus was to disciple the elders. He calls for the elders. For three years, he's been been, pouring his life, like I said, into them. He's been training them, teaching them, equipping them, doing life with them, walking alongside them. He says, you know who I am, how I've lived among you. His heart is a model uh, for discipleship to these men who would in turn disciple the church to in turn make disciples. This is the heart of the elder. It has to be the heart of the elder, desiring to help believers to grow in the Christian life, to look like Jesus, to fulfill the call of whatever the Lord has placed in their life, investing their time and their energy and their love into the people of the congregation that the Lord says, this is my flock I purchased with my blood. Look after them. And not only should the elder have the heart for discipleship, he should be one who is seeking people out whom he can disciple. So Paul doesn't sit there and say, I wonder what if the elders are going to come to me. No, He sends for them. He didn't wait for them to request his presence. He didn't wait for them to be in crisis. And and when they're in crisis, then they're going to call for him. He sought them out. The desire to see the church grow, the desire to see the church healthy, for for the people to follow and look like Jesus Christ should propel the elders to invest in individuals and in groups. It should be like a magnet for them, that they are just drawn to the weak, they're drawn to the lonely, the brokenhearted, the one in need of prayer, the one stuck in sin, the one who is hungering to grow. We should be drawn to them because our job is to equip them for the work of the ministry. Just as Jesus says, it's not his Father's will for one in the flock to perish, that he would leave the 99 to go after that one, that should be the heart of the elder. No one is missed. The burden for the gospel and the growth of the saints should be this deep-seated desire that moves the elder out of his comfort zone to pursue the flock. But here's the catch. Look at verse 18. Verse 18. And when they came to him, Paul calls for them, they actually respond. They don't say, no thanks, we're good, we've got it. They'll say, we are pretty good, I think we got, we googled it, we know what to do. They, they go to him because they have seen, they, they value who he is and what he has done and what he has taught and they know they have more to learn, they, they want to be disciples But too many in the church have this idea of individualistic Christianity, that we've got it, especially Americans. This is our biggest issue, is that I don't need someone to help me. I've got Google and the Bible, and I don't need you. But that's not the picture we get in Scripture. The elders of the church are here to help you grow into likeness of Christ. If you're a member here at at Hauser Community Church, you've been assigned an elder. If you know that or not. Uh, If you want to know who your elder is, you write on a card in a seat back in front of you, I don't know who my elder is. I will tell you this week. But that elder will be checking in on you, calling you, sending you a text, praying for you. And that is a time for them to disciple you, to pray for you, to comfort you, to challenge you. Be honest with them. When they reach out to you, they say, hey, I'm just calling to see how things are going. How are you doing? Don't say, I'm fine. Give them your struggles. They want to labor with you in prayer. I want to labor with you in prayer. Tell them where you're struggling, how they can pray. So the question for you as a church as a congregation, is are you willing to be led? And the hope is that you will, in turn, start to mimic that behavior, that you will see that the elders are pouring into you, and you can also do the same thing. I can pour into other people. I can do the same thing. The elders are not the only ones who are called to disciple. We're all called to do that. Paul didn't call these guys and say, hey, this is what you should do, um, expecting them to go back and not do it. He expected them to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. He reminds them in his letter to them, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Jesus, who is the head, into Christ, for whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. We should be making disciples And make disciples so that we're functioning as a body like we're created to function. And the discipleship should be just simply accomplished through fellowship. So continue looking at verse 18. And when they came to him, he reminds them right off the bat, You yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time. From the first day I set foot in Asia. Paul shared his life with them. He was with them. They knew him. They saw his struggles. They knew how he lived. They knew how he reacted as as an apostle. The elders are not meant to be disconnected or unknown in the church. They should be living out their faith in front of the congregation so that you see them and say, I see how the Lord is working They should be willing to share their lives with the church around them. Paul says it in Thessalonians, being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, so we're not here to just proclaim the gospel to you, but our own selves, because you have become very dear to us. The elders should be hospitable. Having you in their homes... Investing you uh, in, by reaching out and seeing how you're doing. And that should start to develop this beautiful relationship that we see at the end of this passage when Paul says these things. He kneels down and he prays with them. And there's much weeping on their part of them all. They embrace Paul, they kiss him, being sorrowful most of all because of the word he had spoken that they would not see his face again, and they accompanied him to the ship. You see this beautiful fellowship that they had together as believers. And it's this fellowship, this closeness, this doing life together that aids in discipleship. So as we grow closer to one another, uh, getting to know one another, spending time together, discipleship just naturally starts to fill in the gaps. It happens over dinner, It happens at a ball game or at the grocery store or or on a work day at church or wherever you are in contact with each other. And I want the elders of this church to know their church. And I want you as a church to know your elders, to feel comfortable around them, to want to be around them. This is not just some church government preference that we like, oh, we like the elders model, so we're gonna adopt that. It's a God-ordained structure of building up his church. He says, this is how we're going to do it. And for us to neglect it or to reject it is to go against what God has designed for his church. So the elder is in fellowship with the believers. He also sets an example in ministry. Look at verse 19. Serving the Lord. You know how I lived. Serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. Jump forward to 32. And now I commend you to God and by the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. You yourselves know that these things, these hands ministered to my necessities and to those who were with me. In all things, I have shown you that by working hard, it is this way we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. The elder ministers, he's one who ministers humbly, first and foremost. You know, he says, how I I serve the Lord with all humility. He reminds us in verse 24, um, I didn't count my life of any value or precious to myself. If only I may finish my course in the ministry I received from the Lord Jesus Christ to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. The elders are not looking for, they're not after selfish gain or, or uh, status. They're not seeking the applause of, of everyone around them, but, but they want to be faithful to the Lord, and they're just looking to him for their inheritance. Not putting themselves over others because I'm an elder of the church, but because Jesus made Others, or like following Jesus, making others more important than themselves, serving the saints. And when the elders serve that way, you as a congregation learn to serve others. So you start to look like that also. And the elder should minister with deep conviction. The position of elder is not just a position, it's a a calling placed on a man's life. It is is a God-ordained role. And that calling is to deeply love the church because Jesus died for it. And it's with that conviction that it should drive the elder, that the, the Lord loved his bride so much that he would die for her. So the elder should constantly be asking himself, how much do I love the bride of Christ? Does my life reflect his love? And this should humble the elder to the sense that if Jesus would die for the church and serve the church in that way by going to the cross, how much more important have I made my desires in my own life than building up the kingdom in the church? Than investing in the church and its health. So I was sitting here singing and I was just loving to hear your voices sing. It reminded me of Psalm 16, where David says, As for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. That is the heart of an elder that, that we, I just love the saints. The elders should be constantly on their knees, humbly crying out to the Lord in prayer, that the saints would be delivered from sin, that, they would, that they would, the sick would be healed, the lost would be saved, that the struggling would find strength, that the backslidden would repent and follow Jesus. The elders should be serving, building up, pouring into, calling, visiting, challenging the church. Paul speaks of this anxiety that he has for the church in 2 Corinthians. We saw this last week. Apart from everything he was suffering, he says, there's a daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all of the churches. He just longs for them to look like Jesus. And elders, I would call you to feel that burden this morning for the flock of Christ. But church, I would also call you to understand the value Jesus has placed on you as his bride. That gathering together on Sunday is not just some social club gathering. We're not just here because we love each other or because there's really good coffee in there. We're not just gathering so we can grab a motivational speech and then feel good uh, until the next time we get together. We are the body of Christ, purchased by his blood, loved by him, priest to his God and Father. We must develop that deep understanding, this is who we are. We are the bride of Christ. The elder also sets an example for the believers in evangelism. So not only is he pouring in to the church and trying to build up the church, but he's also Going outside the church and proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. Look at verse 19. I served the Lord with all humility and with tears, with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. How I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable, teaching you in public and from house to house, and testifying both to Jews and Greeks of repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. The elder elder allows nothing to stop them from proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. Paul exemplifies that. He says, the Jews in every city have tried to stop me. I have been beaten, I've been run out. He's just run out of Ephesus, so they understand what's going on there, but he says, I'm not gonna allow that to keep me from proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. I'm gonna testify to all, Jew and Greek, he says, I'm going to cross all racial, ethnic, and social barriers to share Jesus Christ to the ends of the earth. I'm going to call the lost to repentance, to turn away from sin and turn toward Jesus Christ. I'm going to call the believers to repentance. Not allowing the stink of sin to live on us without being challenged. But it doesn't just stop there. It ends with testifying to the repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. The elder is not just an authoritarian. I've said that. He doesn't just call out sin and beat people down if they're not in church on Sunday. They're agents of grace, reminding the church who Jesus is, what he has done for them, reminding them who they are in Christ, pointing to Jesus constantly. And we're to remind those in sin that they are no longer slaves to sin. That old person is gone, it's dead, we're new in Christ. And the only way the elder is going to continually set this example before the body of Christ. And the only way the congregation is going to see elders in this role of leadership is as if the elder focuses on the ministry they received from God. The elder is a man we see who is led by the Holy Spirit. Everything we have seen up to this point is impossible for an elder to do, apart from Christ. We are just as selfish as you are. (laughs) We have issues. But this is a supernatural work of Christ, of the Spirit in our lives, to pour out our lives for the church. Look at verse 22. Paul says, And now, behold, I'm going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. But I do not account my life of any value, nor is precious to myself. If only I may finish the course, uh, my course in the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Paul says, I am constrained by the Spirit he is, he is bound by the Spirit. You can translate that, tied up or imprisoned. He he sees no other way. And this paints the picture of, of Paul binding himself to the will of God. That no matter what is coming, he says, he has testified to me that I'm gonna struggle and be persecuted in every single city that I come to. That's okay. I am led by the Spirit, I trust Him, I have to go. I don't have a decision, I'm going to follow Him because I know the Spirit is leading me in a direction that's much more perfect than my ideas. This should be the mentality of the elder. Not as one who is voted into a position and when they have a spare moment or a good week, they can pray for a few saints or encourage people by texting them a verse. No, the elder should be bound to the calling of eldership. That he takes the calling on his life so seriously that he will go wherever the Spirit leads. But this implies that the elder is one who's being filled by the Spirit constantly. One who's in the Word. One who's a man of prayer. One ready in season and out of season. One who is constantly seeking the will of the Lord. And look at verse 28. Paul says, elders, pay careful attention to yourselves. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. Can you feel the weight of that verse? We often look to elders as, as ones who the congregation, they think, yeah, he's a pretty godly guy and We vetted for four weeks, and we elected him into this position, and we do that. But this text teaches that the Spirit of God is the one who has placed them in that role, placed them in the position as overseers. And the church can ask an elder to step down Uh, That is just a process that we can go through, but ultimately, that elder is not accountable to the congregation. They're responsible for the congregation. They're accountable to the Lord God Almighty who has placed them as overseers over the flock of God. And the weight of that calling also is the beauty that he calls us to an impossible task because he is the one that does the work. He is the one that is with us. He doesn't say, I'm going to make you an elder. You better not mess it up, because I am coming for you. He says, I'm making you an elder because you're relying on me, because I'm the one that's going to change my church. The spirit who calls them to this work is the same spirit that equips them for that task. And look at the verse 25. And now, behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all. I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. The elder is called to preach the whole counsel of God. The whole counsel of God means the whole plan of God, what God has purposed, the intention of God's will, the story of redemption. The elders should be proclaiming that to his people, that we were, yes, created perfectly in God's image. We fell, we're sin, sinners, but Christ has been redeeming us. He sent his son to die for us, and now we are new creations. We are, we are preaching that constantly. That means that the elder is going to do that from all of Scripture. We're not going to leave out anything. We're going to reveal Christ from Genesis to Revelation. But that requires the elder to be a man of the Word, to study, to dig, to wrestle with Scripture every day. This is the ministry he has received from God, to be the one who can present the whole counsel of God to the flock. Elders are to proclaim the full gospel, repentance and redemption, heaven and hell, sin and grace, love and justice, justification and sanctification and glorification. Everybody's like, well, I'm going to write those down. I don't know what that means. Because this is the ministry he has received from God. They are to teach what is difficult And what is beautiful they are to say what is hard to listen to and what is refreshing to hear but the elder is not looking at what people think to change his message so that he is popular Paul says I am now seeking for am I now seeking the approval of man or of God or am I trying to please man If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. The elder is just to preach the counsel of God. And because of that, Paul said, I've done that. I've proclaimed that to you. I'm innocent of the blood of those who reject Jesus Christ. Brothers, elders, can you stand with Paul this morning and say, I am innocent of the blood of all? If not, we have work to do. Praise God. He doesn't say, well, you got to check in now. But church, this means when your elders seek to lead you, strive to help you grow, want to pour into you, and you shrug us off, we're innocent. We're innocent because we cannot change your heart. That's not our role. That's for Christ. We can only faithfully serve the Lord. Because you see that the elder trusts the Lord to accomplish his will. verse 26 and 27, he says, I testify to you that I'm innocent of all. I didn't shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. That's all I can do. All the elder can do is preach and teach the word of God. Pray that God will ignite that in the hearts of the saints and just rinse and Repeat. That's all they can do. The elder is going to trust though that whatever comes of that, the Lord is going to accomplish his will. That his word that goes out from his mouth, he says in Isaiah 55, it will not return to him empty. When God speaks, he will accomplish what he purposes. And he shall not and I shall succeed in the thing which I sent it. The elder's ministry is not to change your heart. It's not to absolve you from your sin. It's not to be the answer for you. The ministry of the elders to point you to Jesus Christ by constantly declaring to you the whole counsel of God. But they have to, they have to pay careful attention to themselves. The elder cannot lead the flock if he himself is not following Jesus he, like Paul, is to be able to say, follow me as I follow Christ. Not follow me because I'm really awesome. And I know I have this cool shirt on. But follow me because I'm just following Christ. That's what I'm doing. The elder is not above sin. He's not reached a level of spiritual perfection. Paul warns us. Brothers, if anyone is caught in a transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness, but keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. So the elder is one who is the first pay attention to his own life and his own obedience to Christ so that after running the race, he doesn't find himself disqualified. And as he is watching his own life, He's called to watch you, the flock. Verse 28, pay careful attention to yourselves, elders, and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. This seems so foreign to the 21st century American Christian because we think We've got it. I I don't need anyone. I can watch any sermon from any part of the world if I want to. But God placed men over the church to keep watch over it, to care for it, to teach and protect his people. And if the Lord established that office, it means that you need that. It means that I need that. Just because my title is lead pastor, I am no higher than any other elder in this uh, church. I don't hold a higher position. Paul was an apostle. He's a little bit different. I'm not an apostle by any stretch of the imagination, um, but all of us are together. So I have elders that check on me. I need elders. So if that's his design, you also need elders. This is part of why we emphasize church membership. Because when you become a member, you are placing yourself in the care of godly leadership that the Lord has established. If you're not a member, and some of you might be surprised that you're actually not a member, get to the class the next three Sundays. We talk about this in the class, or um, Dan talks about this in the class. Believer, you're in the family of God, chosen, loved, redeemed, bought back by the blood of Christ, precious to him. And Jesus has called men by his spirit to lead you. And that's a beautiful thing. We are blessed in this church to have a group of men who love the Lord and love you as a church. Finally, the elder serves the flock. Verse 17, we see the elder is going to train other elders. They're going to train successors. Uh, the elders should always be on the lookout for a replacement. Someone they can train, invest in, raise up. Someone who is already doing this, already showing um, that they want to, or probably at, not after this sermon, uh, want to be an elder, but um, <laughs> that, that they're called to be. Because the truth is we all die. Like uh, Once you become an elder, you are not drinking from the fountain of youth. Uh, you will Die. And, and this isn't my church. It's not Tim's church. It's not Bill's church. Uh, it's, it's Christ's church. And we faithfully serve the church by raising up men to be elders to protect the church for years to come, to guard and, and carry the torch, to teach, to protect. And that just goes right into what the elders. How they serve the flock. Not only do they raise up people to to replace them, but look at verse 29. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night and day to admonish everyone with tears. Church, there's so much garbage dressed in a Christian costume in this world. And it it's it's even more prevalent today because you as a church can go anywhere you want on the internet. And you can watch just about anything you want to, and you can hear. This is they say they're Christian, so it's gotta be good to go. But just because it has the name Christian doesn't mean it's sound. The Lord places godly men in the position of elder to guard the flock from false and harmful teaching, teaching that seeks to turn your eyes away from Christ, teaching that will come from the inside of the church. John tells us, he reminds us, uh, children, it's the last hour, and as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might be complained that they are not of us. This antichrists are coming from the church. They're not coming, crawling out of these scary pits of hell. They're coming from inside the church. They look and sound a lot like Christianity. This is why the elders have such a high calling to guard the flock. It's so easy to get caught up in what is not from Christ. This is why if you're going to teach a Bible study under the banner of Hauser Community Church, we always ask you, bring it to the elders. Let us just look at it. It's not because we're trying to push an agenda or we're micromanagers micromanaging. That's a Lego movie reference if you didn't know. But it's because we're charged with from God to guard the flock. The same goes for music. I drive our music teams insane with my constantly saying, let's not sing that song. Because there's sometimes, there's things that are theologically just wonky and I don't want you singing that because songs just get stuck in your head and you start singing them and you really start to believe them. But that's only because I'm tasked to protect the flock of God from bad and false teaching. And finally, the elder serves the flock by praying with them. And when he had said these things, verse 36, he knelt down and prayed with them all. Elders of the church are ready at any time to stop and pray with you, to kneel down and pray for your needs, your struggles, your growth, your health. We are in the back at the end of service. I'm honestly frequently disappointed how we don't get very many people to pray with. And I understand it's weird to get up and pray with someone, but man, that's what we're there for. We need each other. We need to be praying for each other. And believers, you should desire to pray with the elders. Give us a call when you're sick, when you're hurting, when you're struggling. You have our cell phone numbers. (laughs) Text us. Well, don't text all of us, some of them. (laughs) Just kidding, guys. Tell us when you have a surgery coming up. We'd love to pray with you. When you're in the hospital, we'd love to come. If you're not in the emergency room, we can't visit you anymore in the emergency room, but um, we want to come and pray with you. We desire to be with you. But I pray as you leave here today that you understand that the Lord installs elders in the church to care for those whom he has purchased by his own blood. Elders, I pray that this challenges your commitment. Church, I pray that you're informed and you understand what to expect. But hear me, just because you're not an elder, it doesn't mean you shouldn't strive to imitate godliness. May we grow as a church in the way the Lord has set before us. Let's pray. Jesus, we praise you because you are the good shepherd. You are the perfect overseer. You are the king of kings. And I pray, Lord, that you forgive us as elders for the areas that we have failed. But we know that you are with us, that you forgive us, that you've called us to this position, and that you will continue to grow us. So we ask, Lord, would you do that? Would you make us faithful overseers of the flock? I pray for the church, Lord, that they would see the value of, of having men over them that um, are there to care for them, to serve them, to protect them, to teach them, disciple them, to weep with them. Have we... We just want to honor you. We want to build your kingdom. We want to proclaim your word. We want to grow into your likeness. And we can pray that with faith. You've you've put this together so that we are being built up by your spirit through faithful people. Using crooked sticks to draw straight lines. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thank you for joining us at Hauser Community Church Online. Check back next week for the next unpacking of the Word of God. Please feel free to contact us with any questions you might have about the message or for pastor at area code 541-756-2591 or email us at pray at hauserchurch.org. Again, that's P-R-A-Y at H-A-U-S-E-R-C-H-U-R-C-H dot O-R-G. Our address is 69411 Wildwood Road, North Bend, Oregon, 97459. Remember, if you're seeking the truth, it will set you free. And that truth is Jesus Christ.